Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Well, we're continuing on with uh, our study in the letter of, uh, to the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, with Hebrews, Jesus the perfect priest, and we'll be in chapter 13 today, if you have a, a Bible or a palm thingy and you can actually read it uh, with an illuminated screen. But first, but first, a few, thing, a few things about lists. Now, if you read the little blurb from the emails, some of you will get about lists. How many people, I can't see you anyway, but how many people make lists? I always make a list for Aldi, and then I leave it on the kitchen counter, and then I uh, try to remember what it says. So I thought I would show you a few lists. If you have the first one, please. I think it should be up there. A list, if you can see that. Now, this is, Leon- this is a-, a list from Leonardo da Vinci. This is his list. Now, you have to blow it up. You can't read it anyway because it's in a combination of Italian and Latin and it's mirror writing. Not just written backwards, back to front, but it's written as in a mirror. So you have to look at, point it to a mirror to read it. And you ask, whatever for? Well, remember, these guys didn't have cable, no internet. So they had a lot of time left over to do things. It was, it was also quirky. He was left-handed, so that could be a reason. And also, he wanted to keep some things secret. Well, here's another list. Next list is also in Italian. And this is Galileo's list. No, please, no queen songs. This is Galileo's list, and it is an actual shopping list because up here, if you know you're Italian, and you can sort this out. He's got sugar and pepper, and down on that same line, like uh, uh, confiture, which is jam. But he's also got some other weird things, like the one here, the cipolle di argentiria. It's, that's basically cannonballs. So... Who knows what the guy's doing? Maybe he didn't get out much, and so he's shopping and buying all these weird things. So cannonballs. Now, here's another one of my favorites, a list here. Next one is, this was found in Johnny Cash's, one of his books. Johnny Cash was a believer and devoted to the Lord. And, but anyway, this, they think this list dates from the late 70s or so. And here's Johnny Cash's list he made. He says, not smoke, kiss June. Number three, not kiss anyone else. No, number four, I'm going to skip that. I have no idea. Maybe he needed to get, you know, force factor plus or whatever. I, I don't know what that's about. But all these things in his list of not write notes. And the final list is just something that's not really a list if you throw it up. I just kind of put that in for fun if anybody gets this. This is the, what happens if you don't use a list. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that's my, why do I bring these lists? Well, there are lists in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 6 that we're going to talk about this morning, it is a list of seemingly unrelated things, uh, disparate subjects. Each subject could, could fill an entire sermon series or a whole shelf of books. In fact, some of these subjects you will see uh, have whole careers devoted to them. And you say, well, how are they related? Well, that's because they are related in this manner. Next slide, please. And that is to the subject of our uh, message today is 
it's all related to serving our high priest. As we have come to the end of the book, the end of the letter, we're going to have a whole bunch of things. And you say, well, how do they fit together? Well, here's how they fit together with the main topic that you will see and hear several times during the message. Serving our high priest means every aspect of our life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, okay? But before we do so, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you left this book, this letter written to the Hebrews. And I pray that I would be able to get out of the way this morning and be able to let you reveal some of uh, your teaching from your word. I ask that it would not simply bless hearts or entertain minds, but that it would transform us and make us more like our perfect priest, our superior sacrifice, our blessed Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, One more time, just to reiterate, um, you'll find these lists not real commonly, but you will f- remember these are letters. To rem- remember the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, uh, the story of Jesus and his life, and Acts, which kind of fits in. And the rest of the New Testament, uh, they're letters written to churches like the Ephesians and, and to the Romans or to people like Timothy. And so it's not un- unexpected that you might find a list at the end. And so this is the sort of list that we're going to have here with... Uh, uh, the book of Hebrews. So, read with me as I read, and then we'll go back to each of these verses. Let brotherly love endure. Do not ignore the love of strangers, for by this some entertaining guests have ignored angels. Remember the prisoners as fellow prisoners, the badly treated, as you yourselves are also are in the body. Marriage is honorable among all, and the act of sex is undefiled, for God judges fornicators and adulterers. Your way of life not a money lover, being content with the present. For he himself has said, no way will I desert you, and no way will I abandon you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So, so we're going to take these one at a time. I'll try to make my comments brief, succinct, and to the point, which for me is probably impossible. But... Um, I will do that, and just remember, each one of these items connected with serving our high priest, and that's how they fit together. But you need to think about all of these in depth. Now, I'll go to the next slide. I think I've actually put the main, there's only one point, <laughs> it's only one point on your, so you better get this, it's sort of like you had one job in life, don't miss it. This is our main point. Serving our high priest involves every part of our lives, every aspect of our lives. So as we walk through these verses, please have a, uh, just keep your mind on these things and we'll go from there. So let's take verse one. First one, first one. Let brotherly love endure. Uh, it's like, it's only three words in Greek. And the word brotherly love, love of the brethren or something like that, it's all one word. You're going to see the word phila for love several times. Philadelphia, yes, Philadelphia. I mean, you think of Rocky and, you know, running up the art museum steps or whatever, but Philadelphia, one of the churches, uh, seven churches in the book of Revelation, and also the name of my wife's home, hometown. Let that love endure. Philadelphia, okay? It's all one word. Now, sometimes we don't find this as we should, 
Remember, this is a letter that's speaking to believers, people who have placed their faith in Jesus as Savior. They've been born into God's family and placed into the, quote, church of God. They're in the church, and we're brothers and sisters in Jesus. But that brotherly love, well, does it always exist? Sadly, it doesn't always exist. You know, you meet someone, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian too. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Protestant? Oh, yeah, I'm a Protestant. Yeah, how about that? He says, "Uh, well, I happen to be a Baptist. I'm a Baptist too. How about that? You know, Baptist, Northern or Southern Baptist? I'm a, I'm a Northern Baptist. Well, so am I. A Northern Baptist, great. Are you the Northern Baptist of the 1919 convention or the 1965 convention? Well, I'm of the 1965 convention. Die, you heretic, die! Now, sometimes those distinctions are important to make and to talk about. But too often, that is our, our default response is we don't have the brotherly love that we ought to have amongst brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ for whom he died. He shed his blood for this person as much as he did for you. And notice in the verse it says, let brotherly love endure or the verb remain, continue on. That means it was there to begin with. As we trusted in Jesus as personal Savior, that love was there. So it's, it's not something you got to Hopefully, you know, not crank up. Because as the Lord has saved you and the Holy Spirit indwells you, that love is there already. So let it remain. Let it stay on there. So let's go to number two. Number two. Do not ignore the love of strangers, for by this some entertaining guests have ignored angels. Now, a couple of things here. One is the word love of strangers. That's also one word. Philadelphia, this one is philazenia, Phila, the love part, love, like philanthropist, that's the lover of mankind, and he gives billions of dollars to a hospital or something, so the love of xenia, strangers, where we get the only city in America that starts with an X, I'll let you look that up, hint, it's from, it's from our home state, many of us, the love of strangers, so what is this all about, do not ignore the love of strangers, Well, a couple of things. One is, travel in this part of the world in first century was not exactly a safe thing all the time. Additionally, you didn't find a Holiday Inn or a Motel 6 at every interstate exit. There was always places to stay. With this, it was a dangerous thing to be called a Christian. To be, to be a follower of the way, to be a worshiper of Jesus. And we'll talk more about that in number three as well. So they had to find somewhere to stay. Now, uh, let me give me that next one while you're at it, and then we can go back to the one. If uh, some of you are aware of this, sadly, in In our own history, a little bit of melancholy history, the Negro Motorist Green Book. I I guess there was a film made about it recently, but I I didn't see any of that. But this was uh, African-Americans, black people that traveled uh, in certain parts of the country, couldn't always find a place to stay, Uh, couldn't even find a place to eat at times, you know. So where do you get a sandwich? Where do you get a bowl of soup? Where do you find a motel room or whatever? The book was listed, so... They could travel through somewhere. They could find somewhere to stay. Well, can you go back to verse? Or not? I don't know if you can. If you can't, don't worry. You've got, you've got the verse. Um, 
believers were dependent upon others for their, quote, hospitality, their love of strangers, all righty? And uh, you've probably seen this, you've seen it on films and so forth, the sign of the Christian, Jesus Christ, Son of God, uh, Savior, uh, which letters spell out Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, ichthus or fish. And so one would make a, a line here in the sand and another person would make the other line in the sand and then he'd rub it out. And that became a symbol of Christians meeting each other and saying, hey, I know somewhere you can stay tonight. So what is uh, the writer of Hebrews saying? He says, don't ignore this love of strangers. For by some of this ignoring, some of this, uh, some entertaining us have ignored angels. And I used the same word when I rendered this verse because I don't know what it says in your version, but the verb is the same, ignore. Some say overlook or neglected or didn't see and that sort of thing. And a lot of people are, t- are automatically, um, you know, drawn to verses, most of them in the Old Testament, which I'll show you in a minute, kind of don't fit because they think, well, you know, Genesis chapter, uh, what is it, Gen- uh, Genesis chapter 18, where Abraham and Sarah are there and the Lord and the two the three men, the Lord and the two angels come and announce that Sarah is going to have a child. Well, it doesn't really fit because after all, Abram knew who that was. He knew it was the Lord and he, and he knew they were angels. And there's some other incidents in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you'll find Jesus after he was uh, raised from the dead on the Emmaus Road and he meets the two disciples. And they didn't know who he was. And then he was revealed to be the Lord, the Savior, Jesus himself. So I see that, but I think what I want to emphasize is kind of a different message, and that's this, that an angel, it comes directly, the word angel is angelos, it comes directly into English from angelos, the angel, just like baptism, you know, it's a, baptizo is the Greek word, and they just shoved it into English, baptize, without translating it. Angel means messenger. And many instances in Scripture, these angels are spirit beings, spiritual beings, eternal, not human, but spiritual beings as we picture them in art and, and uh, mythology. But many times they're messengers. And when the writer of Hebrews says, don't ignore entertaining or loving guests, when it says, enter, when it says entertaining guests, it doesn't mean, you know, tap dance and so forth. It means to, to host. We don't use that as a verb often in English. To host someone. By entertaining that guest, don't ignore that because you may be ignoring something from God. Yes, you may be entertaining a real angel, but you might be hosting a human messenger with a message from God who has something to say to you. So don't ignore. Don't ignore the hospitality so you don't ignore the message, the messenger, and his message or her message. Okay, number three. And these are kind of related a little bit. Number three. Remember the prisoners. As fellow prisoners, the badly treated, as you yourselves also are in the body. Now, keep in mind just what I said about security and travel and safety and those things, but also a couple of other items. By this time... Well, let me start with the prison issue. First of all, prisons. Uh, Our concept of prisons is a bit controlled by our experience in the United States and by movies and all that, 
We think of a prison as uh, three hots and a cot. I mean, these guys get steak and lobster at times, and they're in their clothes, and they have a room, and they have television, and they have bathrooms, and all these sorts of things, all these conveniences. Rarely has it been like that in human history at all. And it's even that way throughout the world and some other parts, that you're locked up into a prison. You're basically going to die unless somebody comes in to assist you. Somebody comes in to bring you food. Somebody comes in to bring you a warm blanket. Somebody comes in to bring you these things that you need. And this was pretty much what it was at the time of Christ and the time of the Roman Empire. True, there must have been some food involved. In the Old Testament, we remember that Ahab told, they said, lock up Micaiah, lock him up, but only give him bread and water. So they must have been giving him some kind of food. But in general, prisons were desperate places where people would die without help. And secondly, by now, persecution of Christians had already begun and become formalized. It started early in the book of Acts. Stephen was killed, and then and James was killed. And remember, Paul was going to Damascus to hunt down Christians and capture them. And by now, Nero is emperor, and the first part of his reign was kind of okay, and then he went do la-la flaky. And I, most people think, Rome had burned, and the Christians were blamed. So now Christians were being slaughtered and, and, and all this sort of stuff. So when the writer of Hebrews mentions, remember the prisoners as fellow prisoners. Many of these believe, uh, believers were taken, imprisoned, and being badly treated. And the writer tells them, remember them, because you yourselves are part of that body. It's bad enough to be locked up, but... Think of this. Think of being put in the position of helping this someone who's locked up. You see these war movies, you know, the Nazis and all this kind of stuff and, and the resistance movements. It's bad enough if you assist the resistance movement, then you're one of them too. And you expose yourself. So think about the folks that were called upon to visit others in prison. Relatives, members of the body, friends to bring them the food, to bring them the clothing. What if they were captured? What if they were taken prisoner? They had that choice to make. Whereas, you know, just being grabbed on the streets, one thing, but think of having to make that choice to identify yourself as a believer, as part of the body of Christ, part of Jesus, the followers of the way, and lay yourselves on the line that way. But he says do that, and he encourages us to go ahead with it. Now, number four. The sequel to Sunday School's time. <laughs> I think I might have, yeah, after this, I think I put the main message again. Marriage is honorable among all, and the act of sex undefiled. For God judges fornicators and adulterers. Uh, this is a follow-on from some of you that attend, attended Sunday School. Are any little kids here? Because you might get a bit R-rated or even X-rated. I don't know. But this is real specifically stated, and I'm so glad that God put it in Scripture. Well, first of all, I'm tempted to say, I'm tempted to say, marriage, what is marriage? <laughs> you knew that was coming up, didn't you? So marriage, what is marriage? <laughs> marriage is as defined in Scripture. There shouldn't really be any questions about it. It's really a binary issue. In second chapter of Genesis, God says, a man, ish, 
guy with an XY chromosome, shall leave his father and mother and shall cling to his wife, the Shah, his wife, and the two shall become one. They become one flesh, quite graphically, they do, because of sex. They become one flesh, but they also become one. They become a, a body together. And so it, that's why it's so terrible to lose someone uh, in death as they head home to heaven to be a widow or a widower or even divorce. So, but that is what marriage is. Marriage is, marriage is held in high esteem. Marriage is the word, uh, they are adjectives, it's precious. It's of great worth. That's what marriage is. And that pattern exists for today. Now, let me throw this as, uh, as, a, as a aside. I always say this, I'm repetitious, but the New Testament is written to people who believe in Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Now, we have trusted in Jesus as our Savior who died on the cross, paid for everything we've done, and because we have trusted in Him and received that payment, we are forgiven of everything past, present, and future, and are adopted as God's children and will live with Him forever. All right? Now, how does this fit the unbeliever? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Even an unbeliever will reap benefits by obeying what Scripture has to say in specific areas in certain areas. It, it's kind of like, like food stuff, you know. Uh, even if, if you have diabetes, you have to cut out sugar. If you don't have diabetes, I'll tell you what, it's good to cut out the sugar. As much, you know, some of it and a lot of it because we have too much of it, right? So you, re you reap that benefit. Marriage is the same way. Uh, case, in, case example... Uh, the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union really didn't start until 1922. Many people think, oh, Bolshevik Revolution, 1917. You've seen the movies and stuff. It took another five years before they got the Soviet Union together. <laughs> well, two years later, some guy or gal or both has this bright idea. Tivorish is wonderful idea. We get rid of everything. You know how sometimes political administrations, even in our own country, everything that happened with the last administration, you sweep that off and you try something different, and then four years later you bring, you know, whatever. So they say, we're going to get rid of So they did this experiment. We're going to get rid of marriage. 1924 to 26. He's written in law is to get rid of marriage. So they did. Absolute train wreck. Absolute. They not only had, <clears throat> obviously, the promiscuity involved and the children and all this sort of thing. They had violence. They had murderers. They had so knowing the Soviets, the guy that came up with this, they probably took him out and shot him and then brought marriage back. All that to say that an appropriate biblical method of marriage is going to be of a blessing. And especially preaching to the converted here, preaching to the choir, especially for Christians. Okay, a man and a woman committed to each other. Marriage is precious among all. And the act of sex undefiled. And the act of sex, and I said that specifically. The word is coitus. Now, if you don't have to raise your hand, <clears throat> but if you admit to watching Big Bang Theory, which I'll be virtue signaling here and say, yes, my wife and I did watch it for her, and then we gave up, we quit. You know, I never saw the end. Anyway, you'll realize that this word is used over and over by Sheldon to describe sex. That's the word. It's right here. Sex is undefiled, the act of sex. 
Why does the writer go out of the way to say that? And you think, why am I in this sex-crazed society? Why am I even bringing it up? Because we're all on this theme from Sunday school and everything. Well, here's the deal. Alrighty? Even amongst Christians, but going back to even the Greeks, Plato. That's not the Plato that you play with. It's Plato, the philosopher. He had this idea, and this was common. Okay, we have material things. And we have unmaterial, not immaterial, but unmaterial things. So we got physical things here and we got spirit things here. And this is bad. This is good. Body, bad. Spirit, good. Body, bad. Spirit, good. So that came down in through Greek mythology. It didn't change. It changed the way some of them lived because that's when the Stokes came along, the ascetics. Oh, we're going to give up sugar. We're going to give up Coke. Well, they didn't exist, I know, but I'm going to give up all these things. I'm going to give them up and live pure. The Epicureans said, well, since the body doesn't matter, we'll do whatever we want to it. You know, why polish the brass on a sinking ship? I know some of you are thinking, eh, I, you can understand if I mention rental cars. You'll do stuff to a rental car that you won't do to your own, right? Yeah, don't, don't, kid, don't kid me. You'll thrash that guy because, you know, it's a, so that's what you'll do. So you'll live it up, all right? So, how does that relate to the church? Well, what came along was Neoplatonism, New Platonism. And so, in the church, the believers, uh, this idea came along, oh, anything in the body is bad. So, that's why they have to be an ascetic. And we have to join a monastery or join a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery. Ah, yes. And then we'll cut out all this messing around, you know. That's then. And actually, one late medieval theologian said that. If we can get everybody on board with this to join the monastery and the nunnery, that means the human race will die out and Jesus will have to come back. I mean, he actually said that. So anyway, so there you go. So there was this whole theory that sex itself was bad. Sex was the original sin. Oh, horrors. Uh, Abelard, the theologian, I'll let you look him up because (laughs) you'll see he ought to know. But he actually said, oh, the Holy Spirit leaves the room during sex. So, you know, it's, oh, look at the time, I got to go. So he, he, so this whole idea that sex itself was bad. Additionally, let me state that the writer of Hebrews is stating this in the first century culture of Greco Roman, the Greeks and the Romans, the Roman Empire, that it was absolutely more filthy than even today. We have printed books to start out with, with pictures. We have Radio and television and internet and all of that. Well, the fact is, they didn't have any of those toys. But it was still just as bad, if not worse, with prostitution commonly practiced. I mean, it's around here today. I'm sure you can pick up a hooker somewhere in Fort Myers. But prostitution was legal and approved. Male prostitution and female prostitution. Additionally, it was part of the cultic ritual of a lot of worship, especially in Corinth. How did that work? Well, the reason it worked because is they were taking the money and it was given to the temple to build up the temple and all this sort of stuff. So that's, but you could actually get a, quote, spiritual blessing from uh, engaging with a prostitute. So this thing needed to be said because God makes it clear that sex itself is not bad. It is undefiled. It is not corrupt. It is the actual word means, it's kind of graphic, 
not stained, which is putting it pretty precisely, that act of sex. Well, then what are the limitations on it? How come, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Well, God gives the limitations right here, very simply. I translated it, God will judge. It's actually present tense. It's God judges fornicators and adulterers. Okay, fornication. It's kind of one of those words. You have these words that you can't replace because there's no single word that describes it. Like defenestration, which is the act of throw, executing someone by throwing them from a high tower. But anyway, fornication. What does that mean? That means having sexual relations or a sexual relationship or having sex with someone to whom you're not married outside of marriage. That's what it is. That's the noun to fornicate, the verb, and that sort of thing. How about adulterers? Adultery is a married person having sexual relations, uh, and the act of sex, sex with someone other than their spouse, other than their wife as, as a husband, or other than their husband as a wife. So God clearly says that's the limitation. God judges fornicators and adulterers. So the act of sex is pure, unstained, not corrupt, undefiled, within the marriage that we just talked about. And last, I should make sure and emphasize, for the believer, marriage is so important because what it is, what is it a picture of? It is a picture of the love of the bridegroom, the man, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the love that he has for the believers, the church, Ephesians chapter 4, 5, read those, that as he died on the cross and expressed that great love for the believers, bridegroom or groom, husband and wife, what, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And that's also true in God's marriage to us. He will never, and we'll see this in a couple of verses, he will never ever lose us nor cast us out of this relationship. He has forgiven us of our sins. He will discipline us, Hebrews chapter 12, when we stray from how we should be going. He will discipline us, but he will never lose us, cast us out, throw us out. We are saved forever. And that's why the picture of marriage is so precious and should remain precious because that's a picture of what Christ has done for the church. Christ is done for the believer. Christ is done for you or me. Get that? Okay, good, good. Now, next thingy. I think one of these in here somewhere, well, I haven't, uh, the, the, the main point, well, you'll get the main point at some point. This is the last one. Alrighty? Your way of life. Not a money lover being content with the present. Again, there's this filio word because it's one word. Let me find it in my text here. It says, aphilia uh, rugos, which means a, a not lover of silver. Not lover silver. You're, don't be a money lover. Don't be somebody obsessed with money. Don't be a lover of silver. Being content with the present. That word parousia is where we, you see that in other places in Scripture. What's present, the coming of Christ, that sort of thing. Be content with what we have. And he often mentions that in Scripture, you know. 
if you have food, if you have raiment, clothing, and all that, and food, the daily portion, be content. Be content with what you have for this day. And so many of us, though, think, yeah, I just need a little more. I need a little little of this. I need a little bit of that. Okay? But God himself has said, no way will I desert you and no way will I abandon you. And why did I render it that way? Well, that's because that's a double negative. Now, we get uncomfortable with them in English. What are you doing, jo- Johnny? You know, I'm not doing nothing. I ain't doing nothing out there, you know. Double negatives. I didn't see nobody. But, you know, double negatives are actually quite common in other languages, and they are in the New Testament, and they are in Greek. And what I find cool throughout the Gospel of John and other verses is that you often find those related to the expression of our eternal security in Jesus Christ. That once we are saved, he will no not cast us out. No, 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 no. It's a double no, no, no. He will no not. No. And I, I put it, no way. Last week, Pastor Jared preached in John 11, and there was actually a triple there. That's common too. Ue aistonieon, which means I will no way forever. Jesus has saved us once we've trusted in him, and he will no not forever throw us out of his family. And if you've not made that decision, I can't see everybody out there, but if you've not made that decision in your, in your life, trust in Jesus as personal Savior. And if you do that, he's going to keep you forever until that day he comes to take you home or the rapture take all of us home. Amen. So no way will I desert you and no way will I abandon you so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? I'd like to point out that these are all capitals. The old email and text protocol, you're not supposed to use all caps because you're shouting. That's not it. That's not it. Just so you'll know, if you read your New Testament and you see the all capitals, that's them quoting a verse from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. And this happens to be from Psalm 118. But what precious thoughts as we finish this list. The Lord is with us. He will... We need not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me as a prisoner for the sake of the gospel? What can man do to me through, you know, through strangers and through travel uh, for the gospel's sake? What can man do to me as far as money and silver and all of that if I have enough to be content, to be content with what is present, what is here, not fearful of the future, but what I have today and what I have to do for him today? We can confidently say that the Lord is with us and he is our Savior forever. If you've not made that decision, please do that today. Please trust in him. Talk to Pastor Matt, Pastor Jared. We'd be glad to help you. Let's close. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for this list, this shopping list, this uh, action list. I pray that we might see that serving our high priest, serving the Lord Jesus, involves every part of our life, every aspect of our life, our money, our hospitality, uh, reaching out to others, our love for each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus, our marriages, even, even our acts of sex should be devoted to you. The things in our life, each of these specific little details, Lord, we should dedicate them to you for your control, for our service to you. Lord, 
there's nothing we can do to be saved. There's nothing we can do to have this relationship with you because Jesus did it all on the cross. But once we cross that line, there's everything to do. We can give nothing, Lord, for our salvation. But after we're saved, Lord, let us give everything for our Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.